Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Hardfell Radio. Hope you're enjoying yourself wherever you are listening on this fine Tuesday. We are here back to back days. Oh, guys, I can't tell you how happy I'm about the new schedule. It's great. It's really early in the morning, but it's great. I'm up. I'm happy. I'm energetic. Woo! Let's get it going. Let's get it going. Um, hope you guys all had, if didn't mention it yesterday, hope you guys all had a fantastic weekend. Hope you guys are ready for the week. Hope your Monday wasn't bad. I know most people don't like Mondays, but hey, we should change that. Learn to love Mondays. If you love Mondays, that means you love what you're doing. You're in a good place. You're happy with your life. I want everyone to love their Mondays. Don't forget, as always, however you are listening to us, whether it is on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts, we are here Monday through Friday. There is no No Feelings meetings this week. There will be an A&M later this week, which Matt and I are super excited. Super big stuff happening in One Piece. And yeah, so let's jump into it. NFL careers are like hourglasses. And most sports careers in general work like hourglasses. I'm talking about old school hourglasses where the sand literally drops down. Tick, tick, tick. Each grain of sand... You flip it over, and a fall falls down into the other side. Now, some hourglasses are bigger than others. Some hourglasses are the size of me. They're six, seven feet tall. They're huge. Uh, they're almost used for decorations, and they're used for decorations in houses. Uh, they're just huge. Some hourglasses are like the ones you get at the dentist as a kid. And they're only there for about a minute to teach, you know, you should brush your teeth for this long, flip over it. I don't know if anybody else got to be tricked like that as a kid. I did. It was not a natural teeth brusher. And I'm thinking about that. And I was watching the Bengals Steelers game last night. And that's all that was really clear to me. This was an hourglass. And Andy Dalton's hourglass, it's on the last few grains of sand. Now, there's nothing wrong with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton had a good career. Andy Dalton made the playoffs several times. Andy Dalton went to the Pro Bowl several times. He has several Bengals passing records. Andy Dalton has had a good career. While his sand was ticking from his hourglass, he was fine. The sand's just almost up. Coaches, we always hear when you're a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback... The coaches are going to get film on you, and then you're going to have to change. Well, that doesn't stop. They don't just go, oh, he's in year three or four. We don't need, we don't need any more film on him. We, we know exactly what he is. No. There is a team of personnel on every single NFL team dedicated to doing nothing but watching film. And especially when they pick up bad tendencies, like you forcing the ball to a certain receiver, or you not being good on your left or right side, they, that's all information they bring back to the coach, and that stuff the coach can use to game plan for you. And there is too much film and too much negative film on his bad habits on Andy Dalton. That's why, if you notice, the Bengals aren't just losing games. If the Miami Dolphins were in the league, the Bengals would have the worst plus-minus of teams. They're not just losing close games 17-13, 20, 27-21. No, when they lose, they're losing, and it's bad. 
And Andy Dalton's never had a great arm. Andy Dalton's never been a great over-the-top athlete. So not only is there more time, not only is there more film, Father Time is undefeated. He's just getting older. He's not getting better. He's regressing. But as I said, that's okay. It's just time for the Bengals to move on. Not everybody gets the six, seven foot treasured, or treasured hourglass. That's a Tom Brady. That's a Drew Brees. That's Peyton Manning. Sometimes you get an Andy Dalton. You get, excuse me, Michael Vick's career wasn't super long. You get these minute to two minute hourglasses. Those are the ones you simply flip over, tell your kids, hey, start brushing your teeth. When it's done, you can stop. And the Bengals are on the end of their Andy Dalton hourglass. And they need to take advantage of it because coming up later in the show, I'll tell you why this is the best time. If you are one of those teams that are at this either bad or approaching terrible and you just you've or you're in increased years of mediocrity this is the perfect time to turn over especially in the AFC where the AFC is probably at its weakest it's been in a decade segueing from there a quarterback who I don't know how his hourglass is working at all his is going up down they're flipping it back around I was talking about the Rams and Bucks game yesterday, and I didn't think it was a great game. I thought it was sloppy. I thought there was a lot of turnovers, a lot of miscues, just missed assignments, blown coverages, a whole bunch of stuff that led to an exciting score, but not an exciting game. And now, when I went back and looked at it, I'm even more confused for the Buccaneers And I don't know what they do in their situation with Jameis Winston. If I were to give you a quarterback, just for example, a quarterback that when he's great, he's going to be great. I mean, he's going to be up there with the top five guys, top ten guys in the league. He's going to look like an all-pro future Hall of Famer. And not only that, you give him some weapons, he could put up 30, 40 points. Oh, you gave him Mike Evans, O.J. Howard. He could go into L.A. and beat the Rams. He could go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. If you're the Bucs, you'd be sold on that player. But then there's the downside. And he could also go to a division rival, have a division rival come to him at home and score three points. Or he could throw four interceptions. Or he could be so bad for duration of time you feel the need to bench him. If I was talking about that player, most people would assume I'm talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick has some of the highest highs. He's had three, four games in a row. Remember, he started, coincidentally, he started last year on the Bucks over Jameis Winston. And... We had Fitz Magic for the first month of the season. He was over 300 yards, multiple touchdowns. And then he came back down to earth and started throwing two to three interceptions in games and started only getting you less than 10 points in games. And you're like, okay, it's the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing's not going to work. 
But the difference with Ryan Fitzpatrick is Ryan Fitzpatrick's older. He went to Harvard. Not as much as expected out of him. So when he gives you those great games, it almost all comes off as a bonus. When Jameis Winston gives you those great games, he's the number one overall pick. He's got a better arm. He went to Florida State. He's young. Jameis Winston's supposed to do these kind of things without giving you these extreme lows. The Tennessee Titans drafted Marcus Mariota second in the draft Jameis Winston went into, and I think they're a lot more clear on their quarterback than the Bucks are with theirs. Because Mariota might be inconsistent, but Mariota doesn't have the highs of highs that Jameis Winston has, nor his lows quite as low. They could go into this offseason and get Mariota a new contract and extend him for two years on an average NFL quarterback deal. Still probably too much money considering how much quarterbacks make. But what do you give Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston now has beaten Carolina. He's gone in and beaten the Rams. He's got 50 points in the game. He's got a couple multiple touchdown pass games. Is it simply a matter of the Bucks have the right coach and Bruce Arians is going to turn Jameis Winston into Big Ben? Or is Jameis Winston going to continue to be who he's always been, which is quintessentially the Black Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you're going to get these great three to four games, and then you're going to get the really bad three to four games? If you're the Bucks, tread lightly when it comes to getting a new contract this offseason for Jameis Winston. Because as good as he looks and as great as he looks in moments, He's had just as many flame-out and bad moments throughout his career. Thank you for joining us here this Tuesday. Also, just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Tony and Will. We just concluded our first month of we have a no-feelings pool that is going on. Currently, I am up $20 on Tony. I'm down $30 to Will, so down $10 total. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun, um, a lot of stuff that, you know, it, you just make, you make sports, as long as you do it in a well-mannered way, excuse me, and you're not going crazy, it is a very, very fun aspect to add, just, you know, five bucks on a game here, ten bucks on a game here, we're not betting big money, we're... We're betting $10 a game. It was super fun. You can keep track of it on Twitter. Like I said, our no feelings pool. Uh, we'll post some more stuff about that. Also, want to give a shout out to the band Life and Discord. Uh, they, also the band Bayside, is giving smaller bands a chance to open for them in their home city. It's one vote a day. If you have the time, please Please, please go vote for Life in Discord. I will retweet it, so it'll be on my Twitter. I talk a lot, 9080. Please give them a chance. Go give them a listen. They have a debut EP, Room to Breathe. That's been out now for a couple months. They're really good. My girlfriend and I, who aren't even super big into rock music, we just saw them this last Saturday. Or, I'm sorry, the prior Saturday. They're fantastic. They're great. Go give them a listen. Uh, coming up... Later in the show, once we return from our commercial break, we have the good, the bad, and the ugly. Also, 
the league should really be worried about the New England Patriots because we got something that's probably only going to happen one more time happen this last Sunday. And if we only got one more game like this, the league's in a lot of trouble. You are listening to Hardfell Radio. back to hard foul so we had a very uh interesting conversation yesterday. my great grandparents are in town they're uh turning 92 and 91 uh they've been together for 74 years since they were 18 years old um love them uh shout out grandma rachel grandpa Vern, and our son my grandpa Vern. we've always talked about uh, we've always had sports conversations throughout the years, and he's a really big... They're based now in Alabama, but they're very big around the Atlanta sports team, so that's the Hawks, the Braves. And it was really interesting and fascinating to hear him talk about those... The Braves in the playoffs again, and I was talking about how good this team is and how good their young stars are, and it was so cool to hear him talk about yeah, this team's good. Yeah, this team has young talent. But you've never seen anything like you saw in the 90s when they had Smoltz, Maddox, Glavin, Chipper Jones. And he said he made the comparison that was the true core four. The Yankees just had more money. He says the Yankees core four of Jeter, Rivera, Posada, and Pettit was nowhere near as good as Glavin, Maddox, uh, Smoltz and Chipper Jones, and I had to agree though. I was, that's that's a that's four outright Hall of Famers on their own. I mean, like, when are you ever gonna get? There's a bunch of really good young cores. Take any sport. How many times are you gonna get that good of a young core for any team? I mean, Chipper Jones, one of the ten, five to ten greatest third baseman ever. If not, some people can make a case top three. Uh, Greg Maddox, obviously we know all the accomplishments. Glavin, Smoltz, one of the best. Oh my God, like there's, that was great. So, shout out to my grandpa, really fun talk. Uh, we're going back over there again Thursday, they leave Friday. Uh, love you, Grandma Rachel, Grandpa Vern. Always love you guys. All right, 
Another thing, speaking of... Ah. Uh, will we ever see this again? We won't ever see a Tom Brady again. I know people are saying, oh, well, Drew Brees, is, he's going to play just as long. Yeah, but Drew Brees doesn't go to the Super Bowl every other year of his career. Drew Brees doesn't win a Super Bowl every three year, third year of his career. And that's not a knock to Drew Brees. Drew Brees is great. Drew Brees is all-time. Drew Brees is everything that you would ever want in a franchise quarterback, especially if you consider personality and impact on the city. But Tom Brady's just different. And it's not shocking everybody. We all know how great Tom Brady is. Tom Brady went from the quote-unquote system quarterback, and then about year five, year six, he started throwing for 4,000 yards, and he became a statistical elite quarterback, closing the gap between him and Manning. But we got something on Sunday that I think is only going to happen one more time and the league should be really worried about it. Tom Brady played like crap. Think about it. Tom Brady played like crap. And the Patriots won. Tom Brady's not going to play like crap that many more times. I predict... One, max two more times this year, Tom Brady plays like crap. Now, maybe that's in the playoffs. Maybe that's his next crap game. I don't know. I'm not predicting when his next crap game is. But if he's going to play lights out for the next 12 weeks, who's beating the Patriots with Tom Brady? The Patriots will start to get healthier the receivers will start to get, well, the receiving core and the offense in general will start to get healthier, the offensive line. Who's beating them? And I'm not predicting 16-0, but I'm asking who's stopping 16-0 on this team. With the defense as good as they are, and this is the first year, let me also say, I've been very critical of Belichick in the past because... You can't take away his accolades, but there was about a six, seven-year run where he was getting credit as this defensive genius, and his defenses were so-so. But this year, 100%, his defense is as good as it gets. Uh, give him all the credit. We're not going to have too many more chances. The league in general is not going to have too many more chances to really take out Tom Brady. And if Tom's giving you, let's say, just 24 points a game, this defense is holding you under 20. It's a scary thing, man. And they've already gone to Buffalo. They've already gone to Miami, which are two of Tom Brady's. Miami's been a tougher spot for him to play. When they come to New England, it's going to be a route. Now they get Buffalo at home the next time they play. Like, they've already knocked out some big division games. The AFC as a whole, which I'm going to get to here in our next segment, is really just not that good. I don't know, man. League needs to be on notice. Tom's not going to play like crap too many more times, and we just spoiled one of those times, and the Bills could not get a win. And the Bills are one of the good teams. The Bills are 3-1, and one, and they couldn't beat them. Oh, my gosh. The Patriots are... I'm already convinced the Patriots are the greatest sports team I'm ever going to see in my lifetime. I'm only 25, guys. And I'm already convinced I've seen the pinnacle of NFL achievement. Lee, just watch out, man. He's coming. 
And if he wins this year, he's going to be back next year. Like, that's the thing. People don't understand. Tom's going to keep playing as long as Tom keeps winning. If Tom's winning, Tom has no problem. Tom will drag his ass out of bed at 53 if he thinks he has a chance to get a Super Bowl. He's different, man. He's different. All right. Let's get into this week's The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. There is no hard foul or hard right or hard left this week since I was not able to record last week. I don't have anything to base it off of, so there will be hard right, hard left next week going forward. But just for this week, we have... I need sound effects. <laughs> we have the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start with the good. The good, the Browns. The Browns are very good this weekend. If you had told me going into the season the Browns are going to score 40-plus points on Baltimore, I would have thought Baker Mayfield had the game of his life. Uh, Landry had 10 catches. Beckham had a couple touchdowns. And Baker was just slinging it all over the place. Turns out, Baker just had to turn around and hand the ball to Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb had three touchdowns. The Browns played good defensively. It was good team football. Landry still had eight catches. Beckham had a couple catches, which... It's fine, because in complimentary football, if they want to take away or double-team Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb should be getting the ball 20 times. Landry should be catching 8-10 to 10 passes. The Browns put up 40 points on a really good team, a really good defense. That was a very impressive win, and now they're tied for first place in their division. The Jaguars. This one kind of hurts me. Obviously, the Jaguars went up to Denver, won. Leonard Fournette has now had back-to-back -back really good games, had 200-plus yards in Denver, Gardner Minshew, fad or not, I lived through the Tebow experiment. I don't know if he's going to be Tebow 2.0. He can throw the ball better than Tebow. Uh, the run the Jaguars are on, who knows how long it's going to last. But they went into Denver, which regardless if Denver stinks or not, still a tough place to play. Still got a good win. He was down early, came back. Yeah. And our last good, the Detroit Lions. Even though they lost, do you know that Patrick Mahomes has thrown two-plus touchdowns in every single game he started? Do you know Patrick Mahomes has been investigated by the FBI that he's an alien? Patrick Mahomes had that many touchdown passes on Sunday. There's been a lot of critics of Matt Patricia. There's been a lot of people who've wondered about how good are the Lions. They tied with Arizona to start the season, and they won two in a row. Um, to hold Pat Mahomes to no touchdowns, and keep that game in, have a lead in that game going into the final drive. That was a really impressive performance. And if I had to bet money on the Lions, or just who I like in the NFC North, I like the Lions just a little bit more than the Packers, and slightly a little less than the Bears, but they're creeping up on the Bears. The bad. Uh, the bad is the Boston Red Sox. Uh, the Boston Red Sox didn't make the playoffs. Their general manager or their owner, or the team president, I'm sorry, came out and said, hey, we need to get under this amount of payroll. And for some reason, they were like, we need to get under the payroll. And the first person they want to ax off is Mookie Betts. So they were acting like it was Mookie Betts' farewell game. And there's teammates saying, I don't expect him back here next season. The guy's only... The former, the reigning MVP, and he's 26 years old. Nah, who knows? I don't know what's going on in Boston. I don't know if Boston knows what's going on in Boston. 
this is going to be trending. This is bad already. Trending towards getting ugly. What are you doing, Red Sox? You, you came off one of the greatest seasons of all time, and now a year later you're ready to blow it up? Doesn't make sense to me. Denver's defense. Uh, man, Joe Flacco could be 2-2 two two right now. Joe Flacco's had two game-winning drives. Uh, the defense hasn't been able to keep it together in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, there's some so-so passer, not uh, so-so rough in the passer calls, but it's Denver's defense got to be better than this, and it's only probably gonna get worse because now Nick Chubb is out for the remainder of the year with a torn ACL. Get better soon. Uh, Von Miller has one sack in four games. It's ugly, man. It's it's trending. It, this is another one that's trending towards ugly. Um, Denver as a whole has been an ugly, but. The defense, particularly in these last fourth quarters, has been bad. Our final bad, the AFC. So, the Pigeons and Bills, who are in one division, are a combined 7-1. The Chiefs are 4-0. And nobody else is, everybody, nobody else is above 500. Everybody else is 2-2 two and, two and worse. The Texans are leading their division. At two and two. The Browns and Ravens are leading their division at two and two. And not only are is the AFC bad record wise, if you want to look at quarterbacks, which is the determining how and which is the determination of how your team's trending or how your team's gonna do, the AFC is severely outclassed quarterbacks. I mean, if you're gonna look at who's the worst quarterback starting the league right now. Three out of five, four out of five are going to come from the AFC. Almost everyone in the NFC, Arizona's not a good team, but Kyler Murray's playing well. Carolina, you can say what you want. They got Cam, Kyle Allen did play well. He played well the other day. There's no bad quarterbacks in the NFC. The NFC is loaded with quarterbacks. I mean, Dak Prescott would be a top five, top six quarterback right now in the AFC, especially with injuries. But Andy Dalton on the Bengals, Flacco in Denver, uh, Mariota's been inconsistent for the Titans. Like, the AFC is just probably at its worst it's been in a decade. It is now the Eastern Conference of the NFL. The ugly, the, the Atlanta Falcons, what are you guys doing? You guys have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, some good, a couple good players on defense. Dan Quinn's a good head coach. You got a good owner. You have a good general manager. Like, what is going on? And you just get embarrassed by the Titans at home. You've been super inconsistent post the post the Super Bowl. Like, the Super Bowl hangover is supposed to last for a year, not the rest of your franchise. And the Falcons just can't seem to get it together. That's the, the it's, I mean, where do you go from here? Are the Falcons, are they going to do the next one to blow it up? I don't think Matt Ryan's at the point you have to move off of him, but he hasn't played great. He's been super subpar since Kyle Shanahan left. The Dolphins, they, they can make this list every week. I mean, it, another 20-point loss. Uh, people are, I keep hearing people say, well, they're playing hard while they're tanking. No, they're not. It, it's The energy that they are giving off and the intent of what they're trying to do is already known. No one's really trying that hard. No one is going 100 miles now. I mean, like, the Dolphins, it's just bad. I get it. You're just waiting to get either Justin Herbert or Tua, and you got the Steelers draft pick, too, and you're just, it's full rebuild mode. You know, 
I need, maybe I'm just salty. I want Denver to go play um, Miami and get a, get their first win. I don't know. But the Dolphins, it's just ugly, and it's going to probably get uglier before the season's over. And I'm not a big college football person, but Clemson, that was an ugly win on Saturday. And Clemson realistically has played pretty ugly all year considering the amount of talent that they have. I mean, Clemson should be right there with... We see all the crazy numbers that Jalen Hurts and Tua are putting up. Um, Trevor Lawrence should be right there with them as far as the amount of numbers he's putting up. He's got just as good of receivers, maybe slightly less than Alabama. Overall offensive personnel, their offensive line's all NFL guys. They've got a good tight end. They've got a good running back. They should be putting up 40, 50 points a game. And yet, they're struggling to get one-point wins against the University of North Carolina. And this isn't basketball. That was an ugly, ugly performance and an ugly start to the season for Clemson. I know they'll get it together. I'm a firm believer, as always. More good players, the better you'll do. Clemson's got more good players than everybody. I think they'll be fine. But so far, ugly start to the season. When we come back on the other side of the break, we are going to tell you guys about the cats of the NFL. Stay tuned. This is Hard Talk Radio. Welcome back, welcome back. This is Hard Foul. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday. I was reading during the break. Um, they've already got uh, on USA Today, who will win the Joe Madden sweepstakes? This is once again why I said how stupid it is that the Cubs decided to say, hey, we think we can do better than Joe Madden in the top five roster because you can just always expect to do better than a top five roster and top five manager okay and you know to each their own i guess and the cubs are crazy but we've already established that the cubs are crazy uh but they were talking about possibly the padres getting him with how great their young farm system's been which that's a really good fit in my mind um just considering how excuse me um how much young talent they have in their farm system, and you could kind of replicate something that he did in Tampa. The Phillies are considered to be in that consideration, since we don't know what Gabe Kepler is going to be like. Uh, the Padres, I'm sorry, I just said the Padres. 
the uh, angels are considered to be in that discussion as well. And also the Mets. So he's got he's gonna have multiple choices. Whoever whoever gets Joe Madden immediately becomes a better team. Like, let's just not overthink this. Joe Madden is really, really good at what he does. He's done it with the best of circumstances with Chicago, and you've seen him get a World Series, multiple playoff appearances, and he's done it with the worst of circumstances in Tampa Bay, and he got them to a World Series and consistently had them in the playoffs. Like, I know everyone still talks about Tampa's like, well, how big of a deal was he considering Tampa's in Tampa's in the playoffs and it seems like Kevin Cash just took over and it was, you know, smooth. Tampa hadn't made the playoffs since 2013. This was not a smooth rollover. Joe Madden, Kevin Cash, oh, we just keep winning, keep doing what we've always done, keep being that unique team. No. Joe Madden is worth every penny that he's paid and I just, oh, the Cubs, like that just, that we're going to keep track of this because that's going to turn out to be one of the stupidest decisions the Cubs have ever made. And I'll even go so far, if Joe Madden goes to the Padres, Angels, and or Phillies, actually, what are you going to put out there right now? I just want everyone to know right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet this right now as we are talking. People are going to think I'm crazy tweeting this early in the morning, but it's okay. As we do, I'm about to tweet. Whichever team gets Joe Madden, tweeting this right now, will make the playoffs next year. Stupid decision, Cubs. All right. And tweet. It's just, and we'll go, and we'll go back to that. Like, it's just. Oh my gosh. Dumbest move of the offseason. Dumbest move of the offseason. Sorry, now that I'm done ranting about that. Let's get into everybody's favorite segment. Only something that I would understand. And I'm a cat guy. I love cats. I love dogs too. In my home, we have two cats, a dog, and like seven fish. I lose track of the amount of fish we have. But I love cats. And I love cats because cats are just these great creatures, in my opinion, that coexist with you as long as you keep them fed, have, they have water, and you have a place for them to poop and sleep. And they're great. And they just coexist. And someone like me who's got a busy schedule, they're awesome. And I think there's people in the NFL, there's players in the NFL, who are like cats. Keep them fed, keep them happy, Give them, make sure they get their paid. They work. They just and they just coexist so beautifully. So we're gonna play a little game. And we're gonna rank the top five cats of the NFL. And this isn't actually in any particular order. This is just five cats I wanted to talk about. Our first cat is a younger cat. He is new to the list. But from everything I've seen, with all the stuff going on, I think he absolutely deserves to be our first cat. And that is coming off a his first three-touchdown game of his career, Nick Chubb. 
with all the noise that's come out of Cleveland. Baker likes to talk. Odell likes to talk. Landry's active on social media. The one guy who's just, you don't hear anything about, just goes to work. He's he's coexisting. He's got his, he's got his contract. It's, excuse me. He's got, he gets his carries. He's good. Nick Chubb, he goes in, he goes out. You don't hear anything about him in the press. You don't hear anything negative about him. Just a really good teammate, goes in, does his job. There's noise over here, noise over there. Nick Chubb is just a nice, peaceful, quiet cat. And I think if the Browns are going to have more success, I think Nick Chubb needs to be more of a focus. And he should be getting the ball 15 to 20 times at least every game. And then let that turn into play action and deep passes for the dogs on that team. Next cat up on the list is this is a cat that has changed households. My first cat, Chowder, was originally had a different owner and then became mine about a little over two years ago. This cat was in Oakland and then found a new home in Texas. And Amari Cooper has been one of the best cats and a much needed cat and, and help for Dak Prescott. Amari doesn't really talk. From everything that you hear about him, he's his first guy in, last guy out. Super hard work ethic. He's almost got that Marvin Harrison feel to him. That in a league of very talkative receivers, in a league of diva or prima donna receivers, Amari Cooper, Marvin Harrison, they don't talk. They go catch their 7-8 passes. They go home. They're good. Marvin Harrison always got paid. Amari Cooper is going to get paid. Remember, Marvin Harrison might have been the best receiver for about a four-year stretch in the 2000s. And that coexisted at a time with Terrell Owens, Chad Johnson, and Randy Moss. Amari Cooper is much higher on the receiver list than people give him credit for. But because he's not a big talker, he's not big on the extra stuff, he's just a nice cat. And he's coexisting. He'll lay down. He lays... Like, I, lo I love cats, guys. What can I say? Amari Cooper. Our next is a group of cats. I love, you can have multiple cats. Cats for about, if you get more than one of them, for about a day or two, they'll kind of, you know, hiss at each other or be like, hey, this is my house, hey, this is my area. But then after that, they're all just laying on the floor. They're all happy, taking naps. And that's the 49ers offensive line. Now, Joe Staley being hurt for the next seven to eight weeks does hurt this. But the 49ers offensive line has allowed the fewest amount of sacks in the league. There's no star on the offensive line. There's no one's talking about the offensive line. Everybody's talking about Garoppolo. Everyone's talking about Kyle Shanahan. The offensive line, they just go to work. They're doing their job. Keep them fed. Garoppolo's got his money. He can take them out for stakes. 49ers offensive line, the best group of cats in the league. Then, these next two cats, these are some lifetime achievement cats. These are your older cats. Cats, cats as they get older, they do start to get a little more friendly. They start to get um, more, they become more dog-like almost. Like, they want to be around you. They purr a lot more. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they're just very accepting of, hey, you took care of me. 
I'm gonna I'm, I'm try to be more receptive to you. And that's the Patriots. And this isn't just a Patriots player. This is pretty much all of them at this point. At some point, you just have to turn around and be impressed and say, hey, you know what? They literally do this every year. They can turn the roster around, but almost everybody they bring in works. You got a couple bad apples. You got, you know, AB didn't work fine. Chad Johnson really didn't work fine. But 90% of the guys they bring in, they work. They all manage to fit into the system. They all win. And it just, the Patriots, that, that is the Bill Belichick and his cat tree. That's the best cat tree in the NFL. And our number one, or last cat, once again, a Lifetime Achievement Award for the epitome of just goes to work, super positive, uh, he's got his contract, he's always been fed, he's just he's just a happy cat in his place. That's Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald, who, when he retires, we're going to give him a really nice long segment on this show about how great he's been since day one. Larry Fitzgerald just passed... Tony Gonzalez for the second most receptions in NFL history. Think about that for a second. Larry Fitzgerald, who outside of a three-year stretch with Kurt Warner, you couldn't name half the you couldn't name two of the quarterbacks he played with. He's had quarter. He's been in basically quarterback purgatory in Arizona, and he's got the second most catches ever. You don't hear anything negative about him. He just goes to work. He transitioned in from an outside receiver to a slot receiver. He just goes to work. He does his job. He's well-fed. He's peaceful. He's rested. Larry, man. Larry's... Larry's the... Chris Carter said... Larry Fitzgerald is the second greatest wide receiver of all time. Or second most accomplished wide receiver of all time. And I agree. And he is our final cat. Those are the cats of the NFL. Thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate it. Anybody who gives me any time, minutes, hours, day, just however much time that you've given me dedicated to the show, I appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to check us out on however you are listening to podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes. Check out the YouTube videos, and we will be back tomorrow. Peace out.